following podcast is sponsored by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. I'm your host, Louis G. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend, Real Genius, La Bamba, City Limits, Theodore Rex, Return to Oz, The Last Starfighter, Return of the Jedi, and Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. It's God-Funking-Zilla! Hey there, Robo-fans and Dino-fans. It's your host, Louis G. Today's episode is a bit experimental, so I wanted to include a primer in case you have not watched the movie we're going to discuss today, My Science Project. My friend Jason and I wanted to try a watch-along, which is an episode where we record our commentary as we watch a movie together, and listeners can sync up and watch it with us. Not everyone is going to want to do that, so this episode that you're listening to currently was released separately in case you want to hear our post-watch discussion on its own. A couple of notes on that. One, we started our discussion mid-credits, and we talk all the way through them and beyond. There aren't really any spoilers, and we kind of assume you've already seen the movie before listening to our review, but even so, the stakes are super low for any spoilers we might have dropped. As I said, this was an experiment, so I will plan better next time, but Jason and I had a fun conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Please send all your feedback, suggestions, constructive criticism, etc. directly to our email address, which is in the show notes, and that's robosvdinos at gmail.com. Again, that is in the show notes. Please enjoy. Robots vs. Dinosaurs first hashtag watch along episode, My Science Project with Jason Carubia. Full circle. Very nice. But and but, a, but, a freeze frame of Dennis Hopper doing whippets. Now we're gonna do, now we're gonna see some of the worst screen grabs from the entire film. Yeah. They could have gotten some better shots, but no, they've they've picked these and they're pretty awful. Yeah, this um, is wild. Yeah, they're, they're pretty I've awful. I've never seen this. You, you I've never see, seen this in a movie. You can see some better shots, but no, they chose these. I don't know why they chose this shot, for example. Let's, just in case there is anybody who decided hey, to listen to this, back. to this whole thing without watching the movie along with us, I want to explain what we're looking at that we're commenting on. Oh, because oh, now it just got even crazier. Okay, now we're going to so, see some Vince, extra Vince footage. The movie ends. The, mo- the, the, the credits are playing. They're playing over still frames from the movie and also what from what seemed to be outtakes from the movie. Yeah, Vince and, just stole some hot dogs from a, a lunch line, basically. Yep. <laughs> and and they're, they're playing the song My Science Project, obviously written for this music, this uh, movie, oh. uh, with some amazing 80s themes to it. Hey, girl. What's for lunch, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so every every once in a while, one of these still frames turns into a moving shot as part of B-roll that didn't make it into the final film. And this is a crazy thing to have in your end credits, and I've never seen a movie do this. And, and, uh, yeah, it's not exactly... There's the middle finger again, right there, from Vince's car. Makeup, Zoltan, hairstylist, Ramsey. Amazing. Very creative lyrics. All right, so Jason, I think uh, this is a good time while the while the end credits are playing. This is a good time for us to really dig into the questions I like to ask my guests on every podcast. Um, because we did a live watch, because we watched the whole film, we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, spend as much time on them as we usually do. But I just want to ask the following couple of questions. Okay. First question that I usually ask is um, either what is a robot or what is a dinosaur? And I like to ask both questions regardless of how much each is featured in the movie. In this movie, obviously, um, a dinosaur is very heavily featured. So I would say this is much more of a dinosaur movie. So let's start with what is a robot, Jason? Let's just do a brief definition of what is a robot. Do any robots appear in this movie? So my understanding is I come to agree with the term. A robot is a machine that takes the place of a person or human um, in some form or fashion. So if, if, if we're talking about just a, a simple machine that, that screws a bolt 
or rivet something onto a car, that's technically a robot. It doesn't have to be uh, alive. It just has to be autonomous and replace the um, replace the, the mechanical uh, workings of a person doing the job. Okay, so so two things I want to unpack there. One, it's important that in order to qualify as a robot, um, automation has to be involved in some way. I think yep. I agree with that. Yep. Um, number two, this is this is one that there's a lot of distinction though. Um, you're saying it replaces the job or the function of something that a human can do, and I think this is this is a really interesting nuance to dig into with robots because okay, this is about to play again. We have to turn off. This. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about that. Okay. So, is it that in some cases robots are literally replacing what a human does so that humans don't have to do it? But what I think is always interesting is when we see a robot that can do something a human could never do. In a lot of movies, sci-fi movies, robots are depicted with some sort of humanoid form. But I always find the more fascinating ones are ones that are designed with the imagination of not being restricted to like a bipedal symmetrical form. You know, something that can do, that can maybe... Uh, squeeze into small places that we could never fit into or, or move locomotively in a way that we can't move, you know? Yeah. So there's the ethical implications of that. You know, if, if we're creating machines to replace our function, how to, and to what degree do we want that replacement? Do you want them to ultimately be better than what we are and, and be superhuman? I think yes, but the ethical implication is: Are we doing? Are we creating a um, a situation where those machines could hurt us in the end if they have the their own sentience and if if their own conscious themselves? Because otherwise, we're just creating slaves. And and machines are tools to do tasks is one thing, but as many movies have taught us, robots for some reason are personified. And, and and they take on lives of them, their own and and they have they character do. and they have personality. I would say this movie does not have a robot, but it does have technology that gets wildly out of control, which it does. is is feed directly and feeds directly into the trip. What this movie does have though is a very prominent dinosaur. It's got a big so, dino. Jason, what is a dinosaur? What I'm what I'm really asking with this question. Uh, especially in the context of this movie coming out in 1985. And then after this movie, there's, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but in my opinion, there's like almost an eight year gap between this and there being like dinosaurs on film ever again with Jurassic Park, which really both reignited and, and reinvented the cultural image of what a dinosaur is. So So when you think of a dinosaur, do you think of this movie? Partially. Dinosaurs have always been, you know, the bad, the big baddie in films, including this film. Historically, you see films like Journey to the Center of the Earth or King Kong, where the dinosaur is is the, the, the foe that has to be fought. They're not always done with the best special effects. But this production company, as we said, also made Baby Secret of the Lost Legend in 1985, which mm-hmm. was geared more towards kids, but it also features basic animatronic dinosaurs and full body costume people as dinosaurs. So they're trying their best to make dinosaurs believable. That movie failed miserably. And I really hope someone picks up the torch and it, it does that movie as a podcast, but this movie, which came out shortly after, uh, it, 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 that's it for the mainstream big budget movies. There's no more dinosaur films. And did this movie do well for, Financially, did this movie no. do well? No, it didn't. It failed. Okay, it, it failed horribly, and and for good reason. I mean, the plot was convoluted. It didn't have really very interesting characters that people could identify with, and yeah. then special effects were kind of phoned in. The special I, effects I, are maybe the best thing about the movie. I agree with everything else. the 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 plot is is really thin. Character development is almost non-existent. But yeah, the special effects I think are what makes it watchable. But you're saying it it really didn't do well in the box office, right? Yeah. So I mean, I, I want to be 
only one character in the film and that's Ellie. Like that's the only character <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to be, I'm totally yep. team Ellie right now, but, but I don't really want to be Vince. I don't want to be Michael. I, I really don't really, I don't think Michael's cool. I don't think yep. any of the other characters are interesting. I don't, I don't really identify with them, you know? So I want to, I want to be Ellie except for <laughs> the fact that she gets put on ice. Yeah. Uh, that for she like gets sidelined. Most the end of the, the action scenes, she gets fridged. Right. And, also, and she's so I don't smart be her. and brilliant. She could be very integral in the whole entire fight against the past. And I, yeah. I really don't understand that. Like we need, we need more support for Ellie. Um, yeah. They completely swap her out with Sherman and it's to the movie's detriment. It, it absolutely is because Sherman is almost a, Sherman is almost a psychopath. You know, yep. he, he gets pleasure out of shooting guns and killing mm-hmm. things. And, and he's, he's the one that blasts the whole, is he the one that blasts a hole in the T-Rex's stomach? Uh, I believe so. No, that's Michael. Michael does that. That's Michael. Um, but he, yeah, he, he's the one that shoots the, 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 the scoreboard at the end. You know, yes. <laughs> he's, he's the one that laughs maniacally throughout the entire thing. He's the one that's stalking Ellie. And, yeah, and it's, not it's okay. Just, I'm I'm not a fan of Sherman in any way, but but in terms of um, dinosaurs, this yeah. is like kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm assuming for Hollywood, like this dinosaurs failed at this movie. You know, so Jason, Jason, the big baddie, and and uh, we see it Jason. in the kids' movies. So we see it in in Land Before Time. People, you know, people still embracing dinosaurs. You know, which came out a few years later. You know, we see dinosaurs being loved, but not in live action film. Until. Jason, would you say that if not for Jurassic Park eight years later, this movie would have made the dinosaur movie genre go extinct? Uh, I would agree with that statement. All right. <laughs> um, I, j- I, <laughs> Jason, my next question is what is, if you have to pick one, because this movie is brilliant and has a lot of amazing stuff in it, but if you have to pick your one favorite moment of this movie, what would it be? Oh, you know, you love that line that Vince has in, in, in the, about his sunglasses in the um, police department. But I like, like Vince's line in response to the dinosaur where he says, it's God funking Zilla. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't, describe the horror of a poor dinosaur more than that line it's god funking zilla yeah that's a good line and it's especially funny because he also later says something like something about flipping pluto and it's funny how vince is an unfiltered character except in the times where he chooses to filter himself yeah right Uh, it's like it's it's kind of like the director writer loved the character but hated it and loved it so much that they put him in the entire end credits with some extended scenes for some odd reason i think that is probably attributed to the fact that fisher stevens just gave them a lot of really good takes that Maybe. they wanted to use but just couldn't find a place to use them this and that's just the kind of actor major picture yes he really really want this to work so yeah. he went for it jason my next question is, uh, we don't have to talk about my favorite moment in the movie because we've talked about it extensively. It definitely was that line that I was anticipating. <laughs> Huge payoff. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, that, that moment is now sullied forever because now I know, looking at this movie with adult eyes, it's immediately followed by some of the 1980s tragic dialogue in this Tragic film. dialogue where he calls her, you know, some very homophobic comments. Yeah. 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 It's, it's unfortunate. Awful. But my next question is, uh, and you, you've, you've dropped a lot of really cool trivia and knowledge about this movie on me already, but what I like to formally ask every guest, what is something you think I don't know about this movie? So do you have any more, like anything in your back pocket, any, any really cool mm-hmm. trivia that you haven't dropped yet? One thing we haven't talked about about this film. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's completely slipped my mind. So this film, it was marketed internationally different than here in the United States. In fact, they marketed this film similarly to the film Ghostbusters internationally. They reworked the entire poster to match the poster for Ghostbusters. And if you look at the posters online, you'll see they're eerily similar. Um, and at the same time, they renamed the film Time Busters as opposed, no. as opposed to My Science Project. 
So Oh, that's crazy. There's a really cool Ghostbusters tie to this. And they they like, wow, we gotta capture some of this success. And it you know what? It kind of uh, makes more sense. If they name this film Time Busters, that makes way more sense than than my science project. It um, kinda does. What how many months in between? Like this was the same year as Ghostbusters? Oh no, uh, Ghostbusters was like one year, eight, one year prior. Ghostbusters right? was eighty four. This came out in eighty five. Uh, so cl- a flagrant, flagrant ripoff. Then right, right. The success of my science project that led to them, you know, when they released this, like we got to market this like Ghostbusters, otherwise it's not going to do well internationally. But yeah, it's 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 one of those 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 films that you know internationally is known to something a little different. And you wouldn't think of this film like as being like a stand up comedy like ghostbusters but that's what they sold it as that's nuts i did not know that there this this film for some reason has a theme not only about machinery and 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 treating it with respect it has a i don't know it kind of has a hatred towards police and authority and you see it you see it with bob bob hates the pigs as he says yeah and, and and you see it with the the police officers and them investigating them for terrorism without any type of evidence other than peace sign. The film really does not paint police in a good light. It just it it it's it's not one of those films that's like the police are on our good side. And, and I'm not they don't they don't end up solving the crime of who blew up the power grid, do they? <laughs> they don't. It's kind of <laughs> like they're they're just there and. It, the detec- detective Nolte, basically just a cookie cutter character from Touch of Evil, and just to serve the the director's will of I wanted to make a movie where this was kind of cool. Um, They're straw men, right? And it's it's it just serves the plot. I, I like yeah. how this movie exploits things that we don't ta- that we take for granted now. Like we don't see smoking or cigars in movie. If yep. it is, it's not like. It's not with dynamite, you know? <laughs> and it's not indoors. Definitely yeah, not we indoors. Don't, we don't see people drinking high and driving classroom. casually, you know? <laughs> we don't see kids drinking beer at school in the parking yeah. lot. <laughs> it's, it's, and throwing the cans, littering. It's, it's one of those movies that you forget, like, oh, wow, this is a much different time. And it was made by Disney. You know, Disney, yep. one of their first live-action films to be funded outside of their outside of like the parent trap and stuff like that you know so there's not really much that we haven't talked about but i think i think that (sighs) the movie the more i watch it the more i appreciate it fundamentally for what it is and the foundations that that we've looked at through other movies and and what we can pull from it that have changed dramatically how far away from from escape to witch mountain was this movie because that's that's another like crazy disney live action movie right oh gosh yeah I don't and this know. feels like a, a contemporary if not like around maybe maybe it was a little that was probably a little older Escape to Witch Mountain. Yeah, it was a little bit older. It shouldn't be too far. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's that, it's that, like, not so bonkers Disney live action thing where, like, almost anything goes. That was, yeah, that's 1975. Way more when you're you're going back and watching them, it's way more mature than than you were expecting it to be. (laughs) Yeah, this Um, is 10 years off of that. Um, Okay, okay. Yeah, but if so, you want to compare again, it to no, other Disney, time. yeah, Just but if you want to compare it to time. other Disney movies funded like the computer, computer George Wartanishus, which was Kurt Russell, but then later on Pure Genius, which again is is another type of nerd movie. It's it's yeah. very very similar in that faction. We didn't talk about war games so much because there's a lot of a lot of of the '80s films, you know, that that are similar. I believe the dad was also in War Games, um, mm. but but yeah, they, like this is a very similar type of style where we're kids are getting involved in things that they shouldn't, especially well, things yeah, involving um, the military. And this is a right. common theme in the 80s. It, we, the Cold we War. It, yeah, the cold, during the Cold War. And, and we see it with, with where, where we have communist invasion of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of the, the country. So we're, we're, like, we're seeing a lot of, of, of movies where kids are, are basically putting their noses in where they're not supposed to. And then this, this theme, similar theme of someone getting involved with a UFO UFO getting held in the hangar. It's kind of like Flight of the Navigator, which comes out much uh, later on in the 80s. Uh, tying it all together with, with 
technology and, and aliens, Flight of the Navigator, if you want to watch a follow-up, I would assume that that's a sequel to this movie. It does involve tra- time travel and warping of space-time. And, and the spaceship might as well have been this spaceship that a similar spaceship that crashed here. And, and that's, uh, you know, the, 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 I, I like that you brought up the Cold War. During the Cold War, technology was the big thing that we were fighting over. It was the political football that we were advancing up and down the field was between America and Russia. You know, it, it's, it's who could advance our technology more, who could, who could conquer more of nature by either developing the means of space travel more efficiently and more ubiquitously or just making telecommunications faster, making our weapons bigger and more capable of, of traveling farther, doing more destruction. And it was an literal arms race and technology race in the eighties that really fueled the cold war. And a lot of our science fiction, a lot of our pop culture from back then speaks on that. This movie, like we like we talked about, it's more of a spectacle than anything else. This movie is a is a movie in the sense that film as a medium was originally invented to be a spectacle and show you things your eyes have never seen before. This movie tried to do that and it and it was less concerned, I think, with the plot and the character development, but it yeah. was fun. It had a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but you have to understand, this is also a launching point. So without this movie, we would have never had movies like Independence Day, where an okay. alien crashes at home at, onto Earth, and we we show a bunker or a hangar with the alien ship in it or something like that. Those things didn't happen. You know, Hangar 18 was a kind of almost made-for-TV movie that came out in 1980, which was very similar mm-hmm. to this movie where alien crashes and all the subsequent problems that happen, kind of like Independence Day. And then the movie V, of course, comes out where aliens come to Earth and they, they invade Earth. But, but we wouldn't have had comedies, especially mainstream comedies like Men in Black, you know, if it weren't for things like this movie. Very much similar, like a Roswell scenario of an alien crashing and stuff like that, which sparks this entire government, you know, of men in suits to protect Earth, you know. But it's done, Barry Sonnenfeld does it in so much tongue-in-cheek humor. It's brilliant. So, J- uh, Jason, the last official question before I have one more one bonus question that I'm going to ask that's not really related to the movie at all. Well, that's not true. The, mo- the question is related, but it's um, anyway. Uh, one, one last official question and then my last bonus question. <laughs> the movie got a 13 percent critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It got a 56 percent audience score. And the IMDb rating was 6.1. So about uh, half of the people that saw this movie liked it, unless they were a critic, uh, in which case the numbers are much lower. I want to know how you would rank this movie. Do you agree with the critics or do you think it's a fun, enjoyable movie and that we're, we shouldn't really criticize it too deeply? But uh, I really want you to package your answer in the context of this main question. We're not going to judge robots for this movie. We're going to judge dinosaurs. Is this movie a plus one for dinosaurs or a minus one for representation of dinosaurs well yeah it's a it's a minus one for representation of dinosaurs um in, in, in terms of of critical success yeah i agree with the critics you want to compare it to sci-fi movies in 1985 it, there's there's no comparison you know we were we were growing significantly if you want to compare it to teen comedies and teen dramas you know uh filmmakers were learning so much from porkies you can't just have gratuitous language of vince in a film you have to make it have a little bit of substance and depth and and that's what we see in films like the breakfast club or pretty in pink you know um that john hughes did you know so it's like there's a there's a lot of 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 things that have changed since this movie but at the same time though you have to give it kind of a little bit of props for continuing the dinosaurs in film so you can't say it's fully a minus like one you can't maybe give it a negative a neutral zero just be just because it's there and it's it's kind of like a stepping stone to for people to to kind of overcome it you know and 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 bring change you know it's but you kind of have to you have you have to have the bad with the good and and this film definitely represents that you know it's it's like it's if you want to make a comparison to i mean tim burton's superman which the which uh 
you know, everyone in the studio is hated and, and was used as reference to make uh, Superman returns. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's one of those, those things that y- you have to have the bad in order to force the good. Yeah. It's a, it's a progenitor to a lot of better films and better special effects. Uh, this movie was definitely somebody's special effects real. Like this was, I, I should probably have researched this, but it's, it feels more like this was a movie that was made to show off a lot of what what is capable in terms of film technology and special effects. They really didn't put as much effort into the storytelling of it as much as they did the spectacle. And I and I still honestly, I've said this a couple of times in various ways, but I do think the special effects, as visible as they are, as as obvious as it is to see what they're doing and how they're doing it, they're still delightful. They're really enjoyable to watch. They create this really great cinematic language. And I think the dinosaur in this movie, I'm going to say that I let my guests decide at the end whether it's a plus one or minus one ultimately. But I share my opinion. And Jason, I am, gonna, I am full disclosure, trying to win you over to my side on this. The dinosaur <laughs> in this movie, the way that it moves and the way that they depict it with its animations, they, I feel like they do just enough so that when you're seeing it against the backdrop of a high school gymnasium, I believe that a dinosaur just entered a high school gymnasium. I believe what the film is showing me. I don't, I'm not taken out of it by noticing the seams in the matting or the gumminess of the CG because of the fact that it's a big, kind of awkward animatronic robotic dinosaur. I'm really there with it. So. So how, like, do, do you feel like the design of the dinosaur gives it more points than like the movie's treatment of it? I'm trying to think of what you, how you phrase that question again. Um, so yeah, let me ask it again because it was a very long-winded question. So let me ask a more <laughs> concise version of it. Jason, is this movie a plus one or minus one for dinosaurs? I believe that the dinosaur in this movie is is really well made and really well featured. But I want to know if you feel like this movie is a plus one or minus one for representation of dinosaurs. Representing dinosaurs? You know, it's, it's, it doesn't promote dinosaurs in any particular favorable light. And it doesn't, it doesn't you know, encourage more movies about dinosaurs. It just kind of makes them obstacles to be fought. I, I think this movie is a dino movie. It has a dinosaur that's featured. I, I, I think some of uh, the, the secret of the dinosaur in film and Steven Spielberg does this brilliant in Jurassic Park is that he learned you don't show the dinosaur unless you have to. Um, yes. It's kind of like the Jaws theory, you know? He didn't have the budget for a very believable shark, so he decided not to show it. And I don't think this this film took that view or at least the editor didn't you know i I think maybe if they showed less of the dino um and 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 the bad optical printer effects of and matte and and blue screen effects and 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 they showed less of vince being picked up by the t-rex it could have been a good dino scene especially when they when they got to the gymnasium it did have some really cool tone as you mentioned it made you feel like suddenly as the as the walls faded away and they saw this jurassic world um it made sense but once that dino started really going at them and they really they didn't there was just blank fire shooting at the dino that didn't affect the dino and it it really didn't promote dinos in films other than oh man we got to do a whole lot better than that i love dinosaur films i think they're great anytime a dino's in a film i'm i'm very very happy what jason what to you to you what is a dinosaur like in your imagination when you close your eyes and you picture a dinosaur what do you see what is a dinosaur to you I mean, obviously, a T. Rex is is the quintessential dinosaur. It's so out of this current world. It's so yeah. out of time and place. You know, you don't see anything comparable to it in in everyday life. I mean, at the same time, you could say a Brontosaurus is 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 not worldly or a Triceratops, but there's there's something very unusual and threatening about a T. Rex that makes it just unsettling. 
You know what it is. You know what I think it is. It's that when you look at a when you look at a brontosaurus, you look at a triceratops. There's a chance you could be friends with it. When you look at a T Rex, it triggers this human instinct, this fight or flight response in us that makes it both awesome as this really cool, big, dangerous thing, but also like 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 this movie depicts. It makes it this huge adversary that we as as tiny puny but smart humans need to use our technology to overcome. Nature has created this gargantuan thing that we couldn't possibly stand against unless we use our brains and we build technology like a grenade launcher, for example, <laughs> in order to conquer it, in order to overcome it. Just like Vince said, blow something up instead of, instead of <laughs> learning from it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the dinosaur has to have in order for it to be effective as an adversary, two things have to happen. It has to eat someone, okay? Mm. You have to see that it is vicious and it will kill you and it'll eat you. That happens in Jurassic Park in the beginning with a goat. Um, yes. Again, not the car. That happens at the very beginning with, with Joffrey the Gatekeeper, actually. Right, the, Joffrey the Gatekeeper, I'm sorry. Because the opening, uh, we reviewed Jaws a few episodes ago. Jaws... I mean, obviously, it's Steven Spielberg is the director of both movies, but Jaws is Jurassic Park in so many ways. It is. And it, that's a right. big one is that Jaws opens with that like scene showing you how dangerous the shark is, right. raising the stakes for the rest of the movie. And Jurassic Park does that that as well right off the bat um, with with not the not the gums i meant the cow that's what i meant um oh yeah, yeah 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 with the raptors yeah the raptors and and like so you have to know that these dinosaurs are vicious and will kill you but but this movie doesn't do that so the dinosaur is just there and and at the, the same closest time, it gets to that is picking up vince which is a false right. threat which is kind of like a king kong moment where king mm-hmm. kong picks up a, a girl and Fay like Ray. looks at yeah Fay Ray and just looks at her and it's like uh um but it, but you don't get that that viciousness. Uh, at at the same time, the the dinosaur has to be massive in size. It has to yes. be something that you could never conceivably fight. But Vince and Michael and Sherman very quickly go right after it. They they pull out their guns and go right after it. And like you know what, whatever, let's go get this thing. And they don't take any consideration. They don't see it as a threat at all. Yeah. Uh, because they have guns. Because they have guns. They have technology. It, so it, it, I would like to see a little more fight in the dinosaur. I would like to see a little more of of the viciousness. Um, yeah, man. It it's it's is not it's not a threatening creature. It's more of just there, and it's the big baddie that they blow up. So so. I, so final answer, without me prefacing it or trying to like lead you to an answer, final answer, is this movie a plus one, a neutral, or a minus one for dinosaurs? Yeah, it's, I want to say it's a minus one for dinosaurs, but if it weren't for this bad movie, we would have never gotten Jurassic Park. So I have to give it a neutral credit, you know? You know we, we, needed someone, we needed someone to do something that was never done before. And Okay. And so we kind of, we have to say like, this was the status quo doing this movie. All right. All right. Jason, I've already asked one of the two bonus questions that I ask, which is what's your snack? And we, we were drinking throughout this movie. (laughs) I didn't have any time to grab a snack. (laughs) Yeah. But in general, when you go to a movie theater, what is, what is your snack? Do you, are you a popcorn guy? I'm I'm a super popcorn guy. I would I would actually I would go buy the big tubs of popcorn and then refill them and on bargain movie night I would re- I would refill them maybe two or three times. Um, Do you make popcorn th- at home? And take the third popcorn bin home. No, I wouldn't make it at home. I would take the movie theater popcorn home because I could never make it as but, good as a movie theater. Well, that's what I'm asking. Like now that we're we're now that movie theaters are closed, they're starting to reopen at this point. But now, but um, we've been in quarantine for a long time. Do yeah. you pop popcorn at home when you watch movies, or is it less of a, a an event to you? So I've been doing the keto diet because I I gained so much weight over the quarantine, so I haven't okay. been able to have any popcorn. But when I yeah I I uh, I was at the beginning of quarantine, popping a lot of popcorn. I have an air popper. I was popping a lot of popcorn. And there's there's just something about the mindless crunching during a movie yeah. that it's just very satisfying. But I'm I'm that weird person that I bring a bin to the movie theater and I'll take the popcorn and save it and put it in the bin and bring it home <laughs> to eat it at home. It's like I'm that weird That's guy. dedication. 
Yeah. Um, Love that. I respect that. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's something weird about movie theater popcorn. It's, it's ridiculously yeah. addictive. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I feel the same way about movie theater soda and it doesn't make any sense that it's any better coming from a, a you know, tap that <laughs> just dispensing <laughs> liquid sugar and seltzer water. But for some reason it tastes better at the movie theater. I think, I think ultimately, and I've mentioned this a few times on my past episodes, it's what it is, is the overall mental experience of, I have gone into this dark room and I've turned my phone off. I've made a decision that I'm not going to have any distractions for the yeah. next 90 to 200 minutes. And when I'm, when I'm at home watching a movie in my living room, I could do that. I could turn off my phone. I could put it in another room so it's not distracting me, but I don't. Even when it's under my control, I don't, I don't do all of those things. So I think what it is, is we like going to a movie theater because we're, we're sort of giving up control. We're, we're putting ourselves in this immersive experience where somebody else is creating the whole experience for us. They're dimming the lights. They're raising the sound system. You know, they're making sure that we don't have any distractions for us. And it's very comforting to me. And yeah. I'm, I'm finding that I, re- I miss it more than almost anything else in the past six months. So when I was younger, I never could sit still in church. I could never really sit and listen to the sermons and get into the ritual and, and really, you know, embrace what was going on. And I found the only time that I could really feel satisfied was when I was in a movie theater and mm-hmm. watching a screen, the whole entire experience, the, the ritual of going, sitting, eating popcorn, being told the story from beginning, middle to end, being led through a mythical, an ethical dilemma, a moral choice, you know, identifying with someone else, putting yourself in someone else's perspective or shoes. You know, this was, this was my spirituality. And, and I totally see that. And this quarantine has been the most difficult thing for me at times. It's like, I, I just say this, all the times, like, you know what? I miss popcorn. You know, I miss going to the movies. You know, I, mm. I miss, I miss just getting out and, in, and in escaping, you know, being something else. You can do something similar at home. As you said, you could, you can sit in front of your TV and stream Netflix for eight hours and binge it, but it's not quite the same. There's no satisfaction of sitting in one spot for a long extended period of time and not being distracted by all these devices, you know. Do you, do you know what it is? It's the difference between driving somewhere and sitting in sitting shotgun while while your best friend is driving you somewhere. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, and, and there's also uh, it's so difficult to work at home. You know, it's so difficult to do things at home because you have so many other distractors. However, if if you go to work into an office, it's easier to you know get things done and mm. really really be involved in something. I, I, I miss that, that escape of going to the movie theater. And and I really, really hope that movies survive and cinema as we know it survives for that one reason. Well, one of our, one of our, as a little kid, you look up at the screen, you know, you look right up into the, this giant screen, this two, three story screen, larger than anything you've ever seen in your entire life. You get this emotional experience of having popcorn that smells amazing, you know, candy that's sweeter than anything you've tasted in your entire life. Sound that comes around you in, in, in all directions. Like you don't get that sitting on your couch at all. Well, uh, one of our, our, our previous guests, James Reese, voice actor James Reese, suggested that our listeners check out hashtag Save Your Cinema or SaveYourCinema.com. It's a movie theater progressive action that is trying to get Congress involved in saving our cinemas. So that's something if you're a listener and you're, you're interested in what we're talking about and you want to preserve that movie-going experience, um, check that out and see if uh, you're willing to support that. Jason, I have one what last bonus question before we wrap up? This is a question that maybe you can tell me because I've asked every every guest so far, and one day a listener is going to know the answer, or one of my guests is going to know the answer. This is not an original thought. This is something that I got, I heard somebody else ask me or say, and I really wish I could remember where it's from. 
but I, for now I'm stealing it. Uh, just flagrantly stealing it. It's a, it's a great question. That's you're basically what Michael is doing the entire movie. You're stealing things and passing them as your own. Yes, it's on this theme is, with my this, science project. With my science project. This is yeah. This is my stolen podcast. So, Jason, if you could replace any two actors in this movie with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito, which actors and would the movie be improved? Oh, well, well, of course. Any actors with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito. God. We got to keep Fisher Stevens. That's non-negotiable. We're you not know, replacing him with either of them. Uh, Danny DeVito? What I, we can remove is all of Fisher Stevens' questionable uh, 80s. Yeah, I, I think Danny, Danny DeVito but, and Whoopi Goldberg would be interchangeable to any character roles in the movie. Like, you can put Danny DeVito as... The, the dad, the, the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the dad and and uh, his his new wife. Uh, <gasps> that would that's be phenomenal. Inspired. But that's inspired. But Whoopi Goldberg is too good to be put. And now we're talking about Whoopi Goldberg in the eighties or Whoopi Goldberg now because Your Whoopi choice. Goldberg. My choice. I mean, I love Whoopi Goldberg at any time. Me too. Looking at God, I would love to see Whoopi Goldberg as yeah, as the the the, the investigator. That would be kind of cool. <gasps> Oh, good answer. The Burt Reynolds give, guy, the dollar yeah, store Burt Reynolds. She would give so much depth to that character. And just, and then she could identify with the kids at times and be like, look, kids, I just want to find out, you know, what the hell happened to this dynamite. But at the same time, though, she's doing her job and she's not just this off the cuff character that caricature of something from touch of evil. You know, I, I would love to see Whoopi Goldberg there. Yes. She could just, I mean, just put her in any role and she would just increase this film exponentially. Uh, so one of, one of would be great. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Danny DeVito would be great. At, like a young Danny DeVito as Sherman. <laughs> I mean, that would be kind Ooh. of hilarious. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh my God. Either one of them as Sherman would uh, do this movie. Huge favors. Big fan of, of Danny DeVito as Sherman. Yes. One of our previous guests offered, I think it was our Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom episode. What if we replace every character with Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> I think that's a brilliant idea. She she is just, she's got so much going on at all times. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Whoopi Goldberg. I'm really looking forward to her coming back in the new season of Picard. You know, he asked her on air on The View, would she join season two of Picard? And she said yes. So I'm oh, really looking forward to the second season of Picard. Very um, exciting. Yeah, coming back as Guinan. That's going to be awesome. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you spending time talking about this movie with me today and watching the whole movie with me, our discussion of the film, our, our very, very intelligent <laughs> and well thought out discussion Louis, of this Louis, film. Louis, we've talked about my opinion of this film. I really want to yeah. get your take of this film. Like, I want to hear what okay. you feel about this film. We really need to get into your mind here because you're the one wearing the dino shirt right now. You're the one that's really getting this. So let's 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 turn the tables a little bit. I want to know what what you think about this film. Number one, okay. Tell me about this dinosaur. Does it fulfill your dinosaur needs? It does. I love this dinosaur. I feel terrible for this dinosaur when it gets its its stomach blasted open by a grenade. This <laughs> is, <laughs> yeah, this dinosaur looks awesome. I talked a lot before about how when it shows up, it busts through this wall and it tries to eat the basketball hoop backboard. And, and it, that's sort of a weak way of establishing itself as a threat, but it visually looks awesome. It, I wish that it had eaten somebody or, you know, successfully. Here's the thing. They, they brought in all these, the Mongol horde and the gladiators attacking these high school students, and then they made them, like, murder them. Why not? <laughs> why not have those, those scary adversarial, you know, gladiator with a sword or whatever show up and try to kill you and then the movie has the T-Rex come down and chomp them, right? Well, that's the ending of Jurassic Park, where the, is, the Velociraptors but, but Jason, come out and then the, the T-Rex fight saves them from them. But yes. But Jason, <laughs> but Jason, which was a more successful movie, Jurassic Park or this? So basically you're saying you want all movies to be Jurassic Park. Is that <laughs> Who, what you're saying? Who's a more successful director, Jonathan R. Butuo, whose name I'm having trouble pronouncing, or Steven Spielberg? Well, we, we have what? to... We have to talk about his, his, 
his next Dino movie then? Like, yes, I think it's important. And if you do, you have any teasers about the that next Dino movie he's doing? Oh well, we talked about Whoopi Goldberg and uh, the Theodore Rex stars Whoopi Goldberg. So this is going to be one of the when when we cover this movie, when Robots and Dinosaurs covers Theodore Rex. I'm going to be very interested in the bonus question. Wait, wait, so you're saying, so wait, Theater Rex is about dinosaurs or is it about Whoopi Goldberg? I've never seen it. I've never seen it. It's going to be a fresh first time watch for me and I could oh, not Jesus. be more excited. But when, when we do cover it, what I'm going to be really curious about is does this movie, well, since it already has Whoopi Goldberg, does the addition of Danny DeVito add anything? Are we recasting <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg maybe as the dinosaur? I don't know. I'm excited to find all these things out. These everything are be builds to Theodore Rex, like everything. <laughs> Danny DeVito, dinosaurs, Whoopi Goldberg, we Jonathan Tool. Yeah, this this has to be covered. This yeah. this <laughs> this movie, everything is building to this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at my guest list. I th- I don't think anybody's claimed it yet. Let me look. Let me take a quick look. Look, and the other the other question that I want to know is is if you could change this movie in any way, would you? It's a yes um, or no question, but but you feel free to expound on it. Yes, it's two things. One, yes, I do have a guest for Theodore Rex. It's Jake Jake Turner. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. I forgot that he asked to do that one. You're asking me, would I would I change anything about this movie? Right. The casual racism and sexism. I if I because <laughs> <laughs> you know I I God I love Fisher Stevens, but there, this movie and one other well, it's short circuit, isn't it? It's it's where he's doing a very very unfortunate accent that's <laughs> indefensible. Oh, so it's just a trope of the. 80s and 90s and well and today sadly that there's this casual racism and and offensiveness that just it's very honest it's an interesting time capsule of the movie at the time and the way that people talked and were very casual about their very open about those sort of things but unfortunately i don't know i i man i'm not a i'm not a big fan of like censorship in general but if if i were to remake this movie today i would definitely not just as a default rule i wouldn't include any sexism racism homophobia so that's one big thing i would change but like content wise i would just the one thing we talked about that's a huge thing is ellie getting fridged i mean it's unforgivable i i completely agree about the 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 off-color representation that 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 vince represent like represents everything that that's that vince stands for i think is is sad and unfortunate because fisher stevens is so amazing i would totally take that back but but yeah the the sidelining of ellie is just it's just a tragedy indefensible Uh, no she she is the champion of the film Yep. She really is. You know, everything about her story arc is nothing but great. But they turn her into a damsel in distress. And that's just yep. uncalled for. Especially because she's the one that, that basically instigates the plot. She's the one yeah. that yep. is the catalyst, the, 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 the entire turning point. You know, the complications in the story basically is, is nothing but Ellie. The lead characters can't do anything unless it involves her. Putting her on the side and making her knocked out for, you know, majority of the last part of the film is just so disappointing it really is jason thank you very very much again for being on the show and and thank you for turning the the microphone around turning the tables on me and uh, interviewing me a little bit that was really fun i would oh one last thing i I want to know from you i want to get i always want to give my guests an opportunity to drop some plugs so is there anything you want to promote jason uh i want to promote ellie and totally team Ellie. <laughs> uh, no, no, I want to. I want to talk about. I have an upcoming documentary. I'm, I'm, I'm having production right now about police misconduct and the reform of the East Haven, Connecticut Police Department. We're still doing some crowdsourcing and funding that has not gone to production yet. Just do a search on GoFundMe for East Haven Police Department reform documentary. You can find me at uh, Higher and Higher Films on Facebook. Right now we're doing a lot of run and gun filmmaking of a, a lot of the social change that's happening right now, particularly involving police, the Black Lives Matter movement, and a lot of the reform that's happening. Tons and tons of legislation changes 
And uh, yeah, just give a look out for that. Other than that, I mean, take a look. Who knows what's going to be on the internet down the road? <laughs> we'll, all, yeah. we'll, we'll all share some wonderful new stuff down the road a little bit. Cool. Very cool. Thank you very much. And something I just thought of, before we dove into this movie, I asked you, going into this, are you already a Robo fan or a Dino fan? You said that you're kind of neutral. You're not one or the other. Uh, did this movie sway you one way or another? Would you say after watching this movie, are you more of a Robo fan or a Dino fan? It really doesn't change my position. Um, I I still love dinosaurs. I still love dinosaur movies. I still love robots. I still love robot movies. Um, this movie only makes me love the dinosaur movies that I love more. Okay. So are you a Dino fan? I, I'm both. I can't. I can't say I'm one or the other. I'm both. Like I can't. If you put a, a like, if you put dinosaurs and robots in a battle, and ultimately that is the question. You know, who yeah. would win in a fight? Technology, you know, versus nature. Pacific um, Rim dares to ask this question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't say one would like would win over the other. Ultimately, nature is going to beat both. You know, the the entire the entire construct of of science in the world and and the laws of nature is going to win over everything. Robots decline over age. You know, they 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 rust. Capacitors, you know, go. They explode. You know, mm. they circuit boards eventually you know microprocessors you know short circuit and fry you know batteries die you know there there's there's no you know renewable energy source that we know of that's going to sustain the the test of time however nature is always going to be there in 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 the in the the, the, the heat death of the universe, I think uh, nature's going to win. Dinosaurs, however, though, in spite of them being dead for millions and millions of years, they're still here as part of our lives and culture. So that's got to say something. Good point, because dinosaur fossils eventually turned into oil. Oil is one of the main, main things used in plastic. So plastic dinosaur toys are made from real dinosaurs you know i i I think i would love to see robot dinosaurs take over the world one day i don't know (laughs) if that's going to happen i would i I would would watch that movie i would totally watch that movie i i would i would love to see robots take more of a center stage in in the large arc of 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 the earth in terms of the, of, of known history, but I don't see that happening, but I like both independently for what they represent. Robots make our lives easier, but dinosaurs make our lives more interesting. And uh, that's, that's my stance. That is a great soundbite. And I think that's what we're going to end it on. I like that a lot. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Unless you have any last like final thoughts you want to give. It's God funking Zilla. I think that's going to be like the opening of the, I think I'm going to have that open the podcast. Uh, please. Sound bite. Yeah. Do you like that? Do you want that? Sure. Whatever. Yes. It's, it's, okay. <laughs> Perfect. Classic.